This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and today the business at hand is the business of helping young people to bring music uh, into their lives in such a way that it uh, influences them as they learn, as they learn discipline, uh, as they make their, or as their education experience is made richer, and in some cases it even gives a purpose and meaning to, to some lives, because in many cases you have children that grow up and music becomes an integral part of who they are uh, personally and professionally, but as school systems all over the nation shrink their arts science not so much their sciences these days but their arts budgets including music there's a void uh we've got a lot of kids out there who otherwise could be cultivating uh, a skill set uh of which music becomes an integral part but uh that isn't happening to the same extent it did uh, when i grew up and fortunately there are groups out there that uh, are working to fill that void and helping kids to be more creative, to be happier, to learn better. And so I'm very pleased to have, uh, as my guest today, Chris Monroe, the Executive Director, and Scott Kiefer, the Communications Director of the Gift of Music Foundation. Welcome to the Business Hour, Scott and Chris. Ron, thank thank you. you. Good morning. Glad to be here. Well, um, I think we should start off here at the top with a description of... Currently, what the Gift of Music uh, Foundation mission is, and then maybe even have you share a little bit about what you see uh, down the road in the short term and maybe even in the long term. Um, but let's talk about what uh, today's mission is. Well, it's, and, and that's, that's a good place to start, obviously. The mission, if my elevator mission, if you will, my, you know, my 32nd is the Gift of Music Foundation. We are here to support young musicians and music programs of all types, not only scholastic, but church and independent. And there's a lot of music programs that are, that are suffering out there with instruments, gifts, scholarships, fundraising, and um, educational opportunities. That's the short mission of what we do. Um, in the short term, we uh, have some very exciting things that we are trying to put into place to help the Atlanta public school system. Uh, as you well know, and it has been obviously a big story here in Metro Atlanta, um, is uh, they lost quite a bit of their elementary music uh, programs. We are in the process right now of working on getting an after-school program together for them. That's going to be one of the first big impacts that we make. Uh, in in the Gift of Music Foundation. Outside of that, we would like to take this model started in the Atlanta market where we both know and and, and we're both very familiar with uh, both having been uh, freelance teachers involved in drum and bugle corps and orchestra and churches and get this model started in Atlanta and really in the future we want to we want to branch out to other markets we want to have chapters in Nashville and um, in New Orleans and uh, other other markets and then branch out across the country so that we can help um, on a very large scale eventually music programs of all kinds the seed of this idea really started with something very simple the original thought was we both spend time in in band rooms because we work with young people and teach band camps and things and we saw there were kids that uh, for whatever reason that one or two kid in the school that couldn't afford the instrument 
and they probably had a lot of talent. The teacher really wanted to support them in some way, but they just didn't have it. And the other thing that we saw was was a lot of abandoned instruments sitting around. Kids join band programs, and mom and dad buy them a trumpet, and the kid quits, and they leave it at the school, and it sits there for five years. And we started thinking about, you know, how many other people are like that that have that saxophone sitting in their closet that's been there since they were 17, or a clarinet that their niece used or something like that? There's got to be thousands of abandoned, unused instruments out there. So the seed was, let's, let's find a way to gather those things up. We partnered with some friends of ours who were instrument repair people who volunteered their time and services and let's let's collect as many of those as we can get them reconditioned and get them in the hands of the kids that that one little thing is keeping them from getting started down the path of music you, you know that one little thing uh it, it was brilliant to, to just be thinking about all those instruments mm-hmm. that are out there in attics and basements or tucked away somewhere in, in someone's house or in a storage space and I, I know I would uh, be in serious trouble if uh, I were to try to uh, uh, get rid of my wife's uh, grand piano <laughs> uh, but uh, had it been uh, had I known about you a few months ago I think the saxophone that I eventually sent back to a former roommate when I first moved to Atlanta I lived with an Emory Medical University uh, student uh, and uh, he had a saxophone that just sat around, and when he left, he just left it. Mm-hmm. Eventually, a few months back, I, I sent it to him, and I think he appreciated it. Right. But you might have had a saxophone. There you go. Right. Well, that that was the seed of the idea, and after a couple of dinner conversations, we, we put together a whiteboard session one night and started thinking of ideas, how we can do this and how we can make it grow. And all of a sudden, just these ideas started flowing. Well, what about, you know, what about uh, people that teach private lessons? Could we connect all of our friends that are musicians that teach with kids that don't even know they exist so we thought about let's put a private lessons exchange together where we can connect people let's put together you know another idea we saw there's a lot of of young people out there trying to raise money for tuition for summer camps or for marching in a season of drum and bugle corps and they're using the crowdfunding model the public internet you know give to my campaign and when I did a little exploring, I found out that the the two or three major brands that do online crowdfunding are for-profit corporations, and they take a pretty good chunk of those donations. So every time you see one of those fundraising campaigns, you know, give to such and such as medical fund or whatever, eight to ten percent of that is going to a for-profit company. You mean like the Indiegogo? Yes, GoFundMe, those Go kind of things. Me, yeah, right, they're for-profit right, companies, yeah. and they take a good you know eight to ten percent off the top. And why we could do that? You know, we've got the the internet savvy, and we could build a website that does the same thing we could take less money put more money in the pockets of the of the young people that are raising the money um, by taking a smaller percentage and what little percentage we did have to take for our operating costs are essentially going back into music education because all of our programs are music so why not use use a and give money to a, to a private company or use our choice and support music in another way so things like that just started growing and all of a sudden we had 10 or 15 different programs that we thought this could be a very impactful foundation with a lot of different arms and a lot of different branches to further the uh, the cause of music. You said um, that you help organizations with fundraising uh, as opposed to just raising funds for the mission and goals and programs of the Gift of Music Foundation itself. You will actually work with, for example, a church or a school group that is attempting to raise funds right. for their music program? That's that's one of the things that we want to do. Anybody that, that has any knowledge of marching band or uh, any music program, you've sold a few cheesecakes, wrapping paper, <laughs> oranges during Christmas, <laughs> Okay, the fundraising campaigns that are out there. And one of the things, and, and, and look, we've both done that as, as students a long time ago ourselves. 
Um, we want to come up with some innovative fundraisers that will will help them keep number one more of their money and a make it less of a logistic nightmare for them to have to to do this. So that's again that was one of the whiteboard things that we came up with. Yeah, that that's almost like a whole other dimension. Uh, it, it's uh, supporting music, but in a completely different way in a marketing context. Uh, now. Let's talk a little bit about how and why uh, that you're able to do that. And I know that, Scott, you have a marketing mm-hmm. background. I do. Uh, and, uh, Chris, you have a media background, which certainly would cross over into marketing because every media person knows that uh, marketing goes hand-in-hand hand with uh, radio and TV. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, that aspect of your background. We, we're not going to drill down to those earliest stages uh, for when it was that you got involved uh, in music just yet, but how about the marketing and business aspect that you're leveraging for the Gift of Music Foundation? Well, you just, you know, obviously your business experience uh, at this point is going to help us put together this foundation, you know, from from my side. Now, Scott is the more market-savvy guy mm-hmm. that, than I am. Uh, you know, I know the media side of it, but he's, he's delved in. My, my father was actually in advertising for 30 years, so... Uh, I did have somewhat of that background. Um, I, I like to run day-to-day nuts and bolts. I've had quite a bit of managerial experience and that kind of thing. So I, that and, and on the finance side as well, and, and that's where Scott comes in and, and obviously has that experience. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a combination. When you, you, It's funny, you wake up one day and you realize that everything you've done in your life kind of leads you to a certain point. Mm. And my career path has been pretty diverse. I, I'm not one of these guys that changes jobs every year. I change jobs every 10 to 12 years. you know. But when I change, I change dramatically. My background, I started in the radio business. I was an on-air person. I got into the marketing and promotion and advertising side and really learned that. Uh, did some video and TV production and things like that. Um, then I completely changed gears and became a chef for about 12 years. Just followed a passion, wanted a career change. Um, but what I found during all that is every single one of those pieces of the puzzle in my life all were around entertainment and customer service and connecting with people. Every single business always involved reaching out to people and making a one-on-one connection. The radio business is a very personal one-on-one. There's a lot of handshakes and developing relationships. The restaurant business is very much the same. The ones that survive are the ones that, you know, you know your customers by name and they know you by name. So I've learned over, you know, 30 years <laughs> how to cultivate relationships it, it creeps up on you yes yeah, how to cultivate relationships and how to speak to people and um i'm i've always been a little bit of an early adapter when it comes to technology so i jumped right into social media at the very beginning of the curve and learned my way around it um and i i'm, I'm the kind of person that i i learn the nuts and bolts and things and i just developed a, a pretty quick knack for making things go viral and knowing how to connect to people online and knowing how to use those resources. So, you know, in 2015, that's what you have to be able to do. You have to be able to bridge um, and leverage not just traditional media, radio and TV, but you got to know how to go viral. you got to know how to create a video that's maybe 30 seconds long, but people are going to share it 400 times because in that 30 seconds, it touches them, and they go, wow, i got to share this with somebody. And you have to cut through the clutter because there's so much clutter Well, cutting through the clutter is the key, without Mm -hmm. a doubt. I just thought about uh, the the notion of being uh, a source for... Music videos of all mm-hmm. sorts. Uh, you know, if you get the word out, eventually, I think you all will have 
a library of uh, little clips of kids. Absolutely. Uh, uh, not, not particularly stellar performances, but uh, engaging uh, little pieces. We want to show, we, we definitely want to show life impact. And, and one of the things that Scott does so well in, in some of the investment that we've made early on is some professional grade video equipment. We want to show the story. You know, we, we don't want to just be someone who claims to help music or, or anything for that matter. We want people to go on the journey with us. We want them to see, look at how this has impacted this kid's life. And I believe in years down the road, we'll be able to show here's this 10th grade or, or fifth grader, 10 year old that we've helped set up, and in, in especially the elementary program. Here they are in high school now. And look at where their track is and where it could have been right. had it not been for that music program. So that's that passion on that backside of that is what really drives everything we do. That is yet another entire dimension, the, the notion that you're a, a living lab uh, where you're going to be able to track uh, the success, if you will, or at least the path of, of some of the kids. Uh, you know, there's a mound of, uh, of data out there about how and why kids who uh, have music uh, in their lives uh, are just better students, which comes to me as a very sad note, um, um, no pun intended, that school systems, for example, don't understand um, that the data indicating that a child who has music in their life that learns uh, the Dimension the art of discipline alone makes them a better student, makes them a better learner. I would say that there, it's almost impossible, I think, for studies to really show all the things that music does. And being in, in a in a music ensemble, particularly, you know, sitting at home and playing a piano yourself, yeah, that does give you those uh, those brainwave skills. It helps you with math and understanding and things like that. But the environment of being in a band or an orchestra or a chorus or a church group or something like that, the social aspects of it, the ability to learn how to blend into the background and still be a viable contributor, you know, being a part of an ensemble and playing your role at the exact right level is a simple thing in the world of music, but that's a life lesson that goes out there to business, too, because when you get in the workplace as an adult, you have to know when to speak and when to play your part and when to step back. Exactly, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that that team-playing aspect of being a musician. We're here with Chris Monroe and Scott Kiefer of the Gift of Music Foundation. We're talking about the good work of the Gift of Music Foundation. We'll be back right after this. From Doug Dahlgren an action series that grabs you and won't let go. Four members of Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary war heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, in Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. My name is Dr. Jeff Terry from Mobile, Alabama. I love taking care of my patients and not computers. That is why I need your help. On October 1st, the government will mandate that I implement the new ICD-10 coding system, and if not able to do so, then I will be put out of business and my patients will have to find a new physician. Please call and write your congressmen and senators today and tell them no to ICD-10. Tell them physicians need a grace period in order to concentrate on you, the patient, and not the computer. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy 
or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with Chris Monroe and Scott Kiefer of the Gift of Music Foundation. Chris is the executive director, and Scott, as you've been hearing, is the director of communications, and we are in complete agreement that uh, communications uh, is the key these days, uh, whether it's through social media or any other uh, dimension of media, to helping uh, a nonprofit foundation or a for-profit business organization get off the ground and and do more than survive but to actually thrive and uh, we're playing our part here at uh, America's Web Radio and helping to get the word out about what the Gift of Music Foundation is doing which is really truly helping to enrich the lives of kids and make them better students make them better people bingo we um, we were talking about that just before the break I I want to throw out just a couple of uh, of quotes, and uh, I'll certainly make these available to you because you have some great quotes uh, where um, which you can read at www gift of music dot com dot org. I'm sorry, yeah. uh, I stand corrected. Um, go to www.giftofmusic.org. And uh, you, you'll learn more about the Gift of Music Foundation, but also you'll see some of these great quotes. But I came across a couple myself. One uh, which uh, reads, Music can change the world because it can change people. Mm-hmm. Pretty simply stated. And uh, that was Bono who made that statement. Uh, another that I liked was... For me, there is something primitively soothing about the music, and it went straight to my nervous system, making me feel 10 feet tall. (laughs) To me, that translates into the kind of effect that music can have on young people that gives them a sense of confidence. Mm -hmm. Gives them them a sense of confidence and and maybe poise. Uh, Certainly, we talked about learning to play with a, a band, with an orchestra, uh, uh, learning to play alone and the discipline that comes with being a solo performer uh, teaches you a lot about um, a, a, an ordered existence. But once you start to play with a band and you're playing in a somewhat ordered scenario with a group of people, whether it's a small band or a large orchestra, uh, there's so much um, that you gain uh, from learning to be a team player, and and you know those early lessons. You know we talk about learning to play in the sandbox. Uh, when you play with a group uh, as part of a band, um, there are exponential lessons about learning to relate to other people. Oh, without a doubt, and because because a lot of these programs, you're with your band director more than any other teacher in the sure. school. You know, you're there five days a week, plus after-school rehearsals, plus weekends, plus that goes for a lot of these. So the life lessons that you learn, not only through music, but so many music in- instructors, and I know Scott and I both have had very instrumental people in our lives that uh, that have helped. You know, I, I mean, the people that I'm still in contact with right now 
are the people that I was in music programs with. Yeah, well, well, let's talk a little bit about that. Now, Scott, do you don't play an instrument or do I do, I do, yes. Okay, so you are both yes, m- yes, musicians. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scott, uh, what instrument do you play or uh, instrument? I started play? out as a brass player, played trombone and tuba. Tuba was my instrument all through college and in marching bands and things like that. I also play keyboards. I actually play professionally now in a, in a band uh, part-time. So yeah, well, you are diving the wool music. You're a yeah, I'm, oh absolutely, musician, absolutely, sure. yes. And Chris, I start. Funny enough, <laughs> I started out as a tuba player as a, as a sixth grader. Uh, moved all through the low brass, baritone, euphonium, trombone. Went up into the high brass. Uh, also did percussion. Um, I've taught and uh, arranged and performed percussion and brass and keyboards as a freelance uh, teacher for twenty years now. Uh, at various schools across the metro Atlanta area and across the southeast. Um, and I actually have a, my own music company that I've done that under. So uh, obviously I've been in the band rooms and seen this firsthand. So the, really the spark of this was just seeing the need over and over and over again. So My background, junior high and high school, was the trumpet. So I, I can see a little brass ensemble mm-hmm. for you here. Brass ensemble, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, and... Um, <laughs> I, I also, uh, just to keep this program a little bit organic, I, I don't want to forget that I see a special event with food and music. <laughs> <laughs> they do go hand in hand. Have you thought about oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Pick it up, Scott. You I mean, any any time... Uh, you know, there's just so many ideas that we have for things that we we think we can grow this foundation into, and, and uh, I've been involved because of my role as a chef in a lot of local festivals. There's a lot of these food festivals. This, this neighborhood has a spring festival on a Saturday, and they often have a stage and music. You know, and one of the things that we thought about is. You know how can we contribute to that process because they're often out searching for bands and, and trouble to find them. And again, w- whether this will ever happen, we don't know. It's just an idea stage. But we were in New Orleans together back in the spring and saw all these incredible street musicians, these young kids that could just play the dickens out of these brass instruments on the side of the road. You know, 15 guys with trombones and trumpets just wailing on the side of the road. And you see the the street buskers, the guy just sitting there with a guitar and an empty guitar case playing for a dollar here and a dollar there. And the guy that makes a drum set out of, you know, abandoned paint buckets and things like that. And so my thought was, wouldn't it be great to have some kind of an organization where we could contact and collaborate all these street musicians? And we thought about maybe someday, wouldn't it be very cool at one of these or some of these festivals to offer the Atlanta Street Musicians Showcase? Street food and music. Street food and street music. And oddly enough, there is actually an Atlanta Street uh, Food Festival. Sure. It's coming up this month, and if I'm not mistaken, it may be this weekend. I think you're right. Um, And we are actually, it is on the agenda list to work to partner with them to make it the Atlanta Street Food and Street Music Festival. Yeah, that would be year. awesome to be able to pull something like that off. So those are the kind of ideas we're thinking about because they do go hand in hand. It was just a couple of years back. I was with a group of guys. We were um, having Boys Weekend in Paris. Uh, there was the Paris Air Show going on, and we thought, oh, that's a good reason to go to Paris. Uh, <laughs> our wives will, like, go for that one. And uh, it happened to coincide with uh, a, a day, a worldwide day of music. I, 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 I'm not sure of the exact title, and I'm not even certain that uh, this event still occurs. I, I haven't seen evidence of it here in Atlanta, but I was told when we were in Paris that there were some events here in Atlanta and other U.S. cities, but it was a you know a world street music festival. Uh, but of course, there were some really fine bands that mm-hmm. were uh, uh, 
that range from U2 uh, under the Eiffel Tower to these great bands you'd see on a barge down the Seine River or on bridges. Uh, we were uh, at Notre Dame in the little bridge between uh, uh, Ile de la Cité and uh, Ile Saint Louis uh, had this uh, uh, incredible band. Uh, as it turned out, uh, uh, I thought that the lead singer was uh, very American sounding, and so I, I assumed that the entire group was American, but as it turned out, uh, he was uh, Danish. Uh, father was American, so uh, mother was Danish. International music and, is, and, yeah. and it absolutely was, but the rest of the band was from uh, Chapel Hill, were Tar Heels from North Carolina. <laughs> wow. And the three guys I was with were North Carolina Tar Heels. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, it was kind of like uh, three degrees of separation. Yeah. But the, the, that's um, street music, literally on the streets, on a grand scale, certainly. I could see the two of you and the Gift of Music Foundation playing a critical role in helping Atlanta to have uh, more of a street music, street uh, food uh, uh, festival, uh, and uh, growing it so that it became well, more national. And there's, you know, and one of the things, Ron, there's nobody, there's nobody supporting that. And that's as Scott and I started to whiteboard this, and we started talking about the instruments in schools. There are foundations out there that generally serve the neediest of the needy inner city public schools and they do great work but there is a ton of need from the middle to lower middle class on down to street struggling musicians to church programs independent orchestras that all struggle to stay alive we saw that need and and that's where we really want to go with this and street musicians being one of those those gems you talk about you know being in paris and being in any country in any great city in this in this world um and and hearing like we were in new orleans just the passion that flows through the instruments and you know, to be able to take that and put that on a pedestal here in Atlanta, and then hopefully across uh, New Orleans would obviously be one of our sure. our main chapters that we would do a lot with there. There's no question about it, and I wasn't certain I was going to bring this up, but I was sitting here thinking that I I might share with you that I was groping for a way of describing how New Orleans is different from most cities, certainly different from most American cities, and then one day I realized as I was describing to a friend, I said. There really aren't too many cities, and you can get this in some places other than New Orleans, possibly Nashville, but certainly in New Orleans, you can walk down the street, and the smell of the food and the music in the streets are inextricably linked, as if you're breathing in both the smell of the food and the music. And we noticed, as we were walking through the streets of New Orleans, there was not one square foot of that city where you don't hear music. Nowhere. You go in the restroom somewhere and there's either a band bleeding through or music piped in. It's it's everywhere. Right. Every inch of the city has music permeated. Because if you walk two blocks down the street, there's another three kids playing saxophones or there's another band blaring out the, the window of a um, little nightclub or something. And it's the other just thing everywhere. That we noticed is that a lot of these p- people play instruments that uh, look like they should be on the wall of an Applebee's. <laughs> I mean, literally, they're about at the level where they need to now be a decoration. I mean, they're held together with duct tape. And, and they're playing them pretty well. Uh, imagine us being able to take gifted instruments. Or, or the Museum of Musical Anthropology. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Archaeology. And uh, and be able to put instruments into these people's hands that could really, 
you know, we incredible music. Like and that. we thought about too, you know, these this one group we saw it was a little brass group, probably ten ten or fifteen people in the street playing some really beaten down instruments. They were incredibly talented players, as on par with some of the best, you know, folks that we know that play that have master's degrees in performance. These kids could play at that level in some ways. And we were just sitting there discussing, wonder what kind of education these guys had. How far did, were they actually taught music? You know, do any of them even read music, or do they learn these songs because they're being passed down and taught right. from from friend to friend? And we thought, you know, what what could we do to get? Wouldn't it be cool to have like a master class in New Orleans where we brought in some of these master's degree jazz trumpeters that we know and put them in contact with these street musicians and let them share from each other? Because I think they both have something to teach each other. You know, you you um, you, you you've touched on something that um, I think uh, is uh, a winning formula um, as, that can work beyond New Orleans. I want to. Uh, take a break here but when we come back i want to talk a little bit more about um the role that music plays in the lives of uh, of, of children and more about uh, the uh, program to collect instruments and uh i want to have you blue sky some more about what what the potentials are and i want to tell you about a guy that i would like to connect you with right after this break we're here with chris monroe and scott Kiefer of the gift of music foundation we'll be back right after this break Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hi, I'm Ray Bowman, hoping you'll join us each Friday at noon for our new show, Food and Farm, brought to you by FeedStuffsFoodLink.com, only on America's Web Radio. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. 
Welcome back to the Business Hour here at America's Radio. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and today the business at hand is the business of helping uh, children to acquire the skills to become a musician and to get an instrument to play on, to to be a part of a program that that uh, needs funding and and can get support from the Gift of Music Foundation. And we've been talking with Chris Monroe, the executive director, and Scott Kiefer, the director of communications, about programs uh, of the Gift of Music Foundation and goals. We're we're even um, sort of letting our hair down and talking a little bit about the potential because there's tremendous potential for harnessing. Um, music in a variety of ways uh, focused on helping children uh, become musicians. Um, I want to read another quote. Um, I would teach music, physics, and philosophy, but most importantly music, for the patterns of music and all the arts are the keys to learning. And that was Plato. Sometime ago, uh, <laughs> it's pretty powerful. A, a, as if it is a universal uh, uh, axiom. Um, here's another. If I were not a physicist, I would probably be a musician. I often think in music. I live my daydreams in music. Hmm. I see my life in terms of music. And that was Albert Einstein. And it's pretty amazing that... Uh, men of significant talent in one field would recognize the value of, of music uh, to their own lives and that we seem to have lost our way. I was just going to say and yet today some of the people who we put in the top positions to set the educational policies and goals of, a, of our next generation of people don't see the value in it. They see it as, a, as an extracurricular you know, think of that word, extracurricular. You know, to me, music is not extracurricular. Music is curricular. Yeah, integral to it is, education. It is the key to so much of it. And the idea that we've pigeonholed it into a hobby or an after-school thing, um, it's it's heartbreaking to me, and it's, and it's wrong. It's just flat missing a part of the educational growth of, of a young mind. It, you know, music opens the mind to mathematics, multitasking, um, you know, we were just talking off air about how you use different parts of your brain because if you're playing music, you have to be able to think ahead of what you're physically doing. Your your mouth and your hands are, are creating noise with the instrument, but your eyes and your brain have to be looking a bar or two ahead in the music to know where you're going. You have to think about, i got to turn the page sometimes. You gave that great you know example I mean? uh, while we were off the air uh, about uh, marching bands. Right, the, the, the marching band, the drum and bugle corps world that we're both very heavily involved in, you know, if you're out there on a field and doing a, a show, you have to be your again. You have to be on autopilot with your your musical instrument because your body has to move to this spot and this spot and this spot and this spot, and you have to be thinking three or four different things at the same time. Tempo: What's the beat of the music? Am I playing the right notes? Is my body in the right position? Are my arms in the right position? Oh wait, I got to stop and I got to make this little dance move right here. I got to duck out of the way of this color guard person chopping my head off with a flag. It's ninety miles an hour and it's a yeah. million things. And those multitasking skills absolutely make better adults. You have um, uh, skill sets on autoplay, and then you're conscious. 
right. of what you're doing. It's yes. a subconscious and conscious and, and, kind of layering yeah, of right. Absolutely. In, in fact, I'd go so far as to say, if you see a really good marching band or even a mediocre marching band, there are some uh, brilliant kids uh, in that uh, in that group. Uh, uh, the really truly uh, good uh, cognitive skills um, being exhibited right before your eyes and, and people don't often think of it that way. I wish I had some statistics to back it up but I know for a fact that it, you know those kids are the top academic achieving kids you know consistently I just have my own statistics I mean, consistently I've been teaching for 20 years as a, as a freelance teacher uh, uh, started actually to be a music educator both of us did and got out of that course very quickly but have been able to pursue that uh, on a freelance basis without a doubt all the kids uh, generally I always say the band kids are the best kids mm-hmm. you know uh, and it's it's easy to see they're the ones on the dean's list they're the ones that uh, you know they graduate with honors and uh, it just you know over and over and over again you know even even more so than than good athletes who very often are good students not always um, because they've learned some of those same skills that we talked about uh, discipline mm-hmm. and uh, being a team member sure. so working with others but musicians um, band members are are in my own personal perception uh, students who are generally better in the academic uh, uh, world than even uh, some athletes who have their sport as a, a foundation and a discipline and an area to focus that may keep them uh, out of trouble. Mm-hmm. But musicians have um, even a, a, a greater orientation toward applying the skills that are required for learning music to other uh, coursework. It, it, almost as if it uh, it was a language skill. Uh, I I am I am very disappointed that that we haven't come to recognize what uh, what uh, a, a lot of uh, great uh, philosophical uh, men and women have come to note. Uh, uh, I'll read you another quote: "If I should ever die, God forbid, let this be my epitaph. The only proof he needed for the existence of God was music." I believe that one is on our website, mm-hmm. and is. and of course we've heard that uh, in reference to beer, but uh, uh, just you know uh, for some levity's sake here. Sure. But you know Kurt Vonnegut uh, made that statement, and uh, to know that some people regard music at that level, um, I really don't know why it is that we've lost our way. As you were talking about it and uh, how we've elected officials that in some cases don't have a clue, I I was envisioning, uh, you know, I I was taking uh, it back to New Orleans. I was thinking, Kerry Connick Jr. for governor. Why not? Why aren't we seeing uh, more musicians? And maybe we should. They're smarter than that. They are probably (laughs) smarter. Yeah, that's that's the answer. (laughs) Is that that uh, 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 as Jack Kerouac said, the only truth is music. Uh And so it's at the other end of the spectrum from uh, politicians. Exactly. Um, Musical donations. Uh, how are you getting the word, uh, or musical instrument donations? How are you getting the word out? Uh, Scott, tell us a little bit about uh, 
um, where you're uh, forging for instruments, uh, because as we said at the top of the show, we know they're in people's garages and in their absolutely. attics. Absolutely, um, absolutely, they're out there. Um, right now, it's it's primarily a social media campaign. We're building um, as large of an audience as we possibly can on social media sites like Facebook. Um, although Facebook has its its ups and downs, and I'm not going to champion it or or uh, degrade it one way or the other. It's a it's a very it viable resource. It's a very viable community for what we do because people are on there and and people do get emotionally attached to the messages they hear. So that's a, that's a big one for us. We're also uh, actively getting into band rooms. You know, with our connections through the music instrument repair people. Um, there's a, one of our advisory board members is a gentleman named Jim Schmelzer who owns and operates Big Note Music, which is a mobile instrument repair service around the Atlanta area. Being able to get in and, and go face-to-face with the band directors and help rescue those abandoned ones out of their band room is a major priority for us over the next year because you know we've heard stories from – between the two of us, we probably have – five dozen friends who were band directors or music teachers easily and um we're hearing stories all the time of well you know my county school system has a warehouse where they've been gathering these abandoned instruments over the years they're not exactly inventoried but they're warehoused because they have this plan that someday they're going to do something with them but nobody's ever actually done anything with them well we hope to be the someday you know we want to get to some of these on the on the administrative level of some of these school systems and say look if you have 500 instruments sitting in a storage room that are not being used we will get the resources to get them reconditioned and put them back to use being the conduit for taking uh, instruments that might need to be refurbished and having relationships with uh, instrument repair uh, people uh, and a mechanism for getting those instruments to be put back in the hands of, of students. Um, I, I can imagine that at some point in time you'll be the go-to guys, uh, the go-to organization for uh, a band director that, that emails you or calls and says, you know, we could use a, a ton of instruments, but we have a couple of students in particular. Right. They're gifted. We, 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 we need to, to, to get an instrument uh, in their hands. I can't tell you how many kids I saw like that, Ron. And, that, and, that would, and again, as Scott said earlier, that was the catalyst of this. You, you see a kid that, uh, that can't even afford a mouthpiece, you know, and for the instrument, much less the horn, their parents perhaps can't even rent one because their credit is in bad shape or they've had financial downturns. So uh, that's, that's one of the, the things that really sparked this. And the other thing that I, I want to make sure that folks understand – on the instrument side and the need side, there might be a lot of people saying, well, I still have band in my school, and, and you know, it's my kid's in band, and, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people don't realize that, let's just give you for an example, a, a band program might receive $4,000 a year from the school system for the band. $4,000 a year. Many marching band budgets are between fifty dollars and $100,000. That's just marching band. That's not jazz band. That's not indoor drum line. That's not any concert band. So where does that money come from? It comes from member dues and tuition dues. So right now, this summer, there's going to be a lot of parents that are going to get uh, a sticker shock when they say that, oh, it's $1,500 for my kid to join the marching band. Well, wait, I thought the school paid for this. Well, no, they don't. Um, so Not anymore. Not anymore. They used to. And and so there's a lot of kids that will say, well, you know what? We just can't do it because we can't afford it. And you really have to put it into this larger context of uh, budget and, uh, and budget allocation. 
Um, I was a product of uh, high school American uh, football and, 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 and college uh, football uh, to a lesser extent, but it, could you imagine if a parent said, uh, we're, we're going to need you to put in a couple hundred dollars for the helmet and, and the pads will be another uh, couple of hundred dollars and, uh, you, you know, we're uh, going to need you to help to pay for the coach uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, it's $1,500 for the football program. And yeah, and we've got five we cut we've, that we've got five away much, games no. to go to and we need $100 per trip to get on the bus. You know what I mean? That's what happens in band programs. You know, band programs frequently have to pay for their own transportation to get to the football games to support the football team. A lot of people didn't know that. One other aspect of music uh, right before we take the break uh, that I don't want to forget is that when you plant the seeds of becoming a musician and you help kids to uh, bring musicianship into fruition you're, you're giving them a lifelong passion a lifelong Absolutely. set of skills um, someone said some guy said to me don't you think you're a little too old to sing rock and roll I said you better check with Mick Jagger <laughs> that was Cher <laughs> we'll be back right after this break to talk with Chris Monroe and Scott Kiefer of the Gift of Music Foundation the Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. From Doug Dahlgren, an action series that grabs you and won't let go. Four members of Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead Revolutionary War heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, in Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. 
Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Chris Monroe, the Executive Director, and Scott Kiefer, the Director of Communications for the Gift of Music Foundation. We've been talking about the programs of the Gift of Music Foundation and the, the mission, and essentially we're talking about helping young people to bring music into their lives, and in many cases you'll have uh, kids who are already musicians but they have a bad instrument. They they need a better instrument. They need a better program. Or just no They're, resources at all. No resources at all. Um, uh, it could be a church that has a program that that is barely surviving. That that you will help to uh, uh, hopefully thrive. And we've been talking about the role of music in so many lives. I, I want to read uh, just another couple of quotes. Um, one of them is, um, music is the universal language of mankind, is what Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote. Where words fail, music speaks. And that was Hans Christian Andersen. Music produces a kind of pleasure which human nature cannot do without. And that was Confucius. Confucius, right. And, again, you have uh, great thinkers who recognize uh, the value of music uh, in 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 everyone's lives, uh, certainly more so in some lives than others, but it is definitely beyond me that we have allowed music to get to the point where uh, we really need organizations like the Gift of Music Foundation to help fill that void. And uh, um, I want to talk about. Uh, um, the age range of the kids are, are we talking about elementary junior high high school the entire spectrum absolutely you know we're talking about and in, in, at the top of the program we talked about um, the cuts that had been made in the Atlanta public school system mainly affected their elementary program many of these are in areas where that elementary program was a reason those kids were, was going to were going to school okay that was why they were excited about getting up and going we're one of our, as we talked about, we will get back to an after-school program for those elementary kids. But it's through the the middle schools as well. There's so many middle schools that have uh, such a great need of instruments that don't receive any funding. Most of the middle schools that I work with are on, they don't get a dollar. They have to raise every bit of funding for themselves. And, you know, a lot of it, you know where it comes from? Right out of the pockets of the band directors. They spend countless hundreds and thousands of dollars out of their pockets every year to help kids in need. So we want to stop that for these directors who already don't make enough as it is become a a resource for, as you said, elementary, middle, high, churches, the local groups. There's tons of community orchestras around here that struggle to survive. Street musicians. Mm -hmm. Music is music. It doesn't really matter where it's where or how it's uh, how it's put together, uh, or or what genre it is, we want to support all, and uh, and that's what we hope to get to. We're starting obviously in the school systems because that's what we know, and that's where some of the the, the big impact can be made right now. Now, have you <clears throat> connected with any uh, any musicians uh, who might have the personal resources to, in turn, put you in contact with with other musicians? Um, one um, very positive aspect of starting here in Atlanta is that we do have a, a musical business here in Atlanta. Absolutely. And the relationship with the Atlanta Public Schools might be the kind of thing that you can leverage with um, very much some of these yeah, yeah, some yeah, of these definitely. musicians. From the very first conversations we had, that was we saw that as an opportunity that there is a thriving uh, music community in Atlanta 
particularly in the hip-hop and R&B world. And a lot of those folks grew up in Atlanta public schools or in the same neighborhoods. And if they didn't grow up there, they certainly have connections and can relate to the kids that are there, and the kids there can relate to them. Um, so it is absolutely one of our uh, goals to to do that, to be able to involve the music community here in town, the professional music community that's uh, that's out there that has resources and help get them involved in some way, shape, or form. Now, you know, you can't just pick up the phone and, and call, you know, Usher <laughs> and say, hey, man, I need $100,000. But you know people that know people that know people that know people. Absolutely. And that's exactly where we are at this stage in the game. You know, keep in mind, this foundation went live May 15th. So we're not even two months old. And we have, you know, we have a warehouse filling up with instruments. We have uh, a Rolodex, not that there's such a thing anymore, but a virtual Rolodex of, of people that contact us on a daily basis saying, we want to be involved. We have an idea to help. We want to do this. We're meeting uh, in two weeks with, we've got a, a gentleman flying down from New York who runs another foundation who wants to find opportunities. We have some, some corporate, uh, I won't say headhunters, but some corporate marketing folks who are partnering us up with another group that they've worked with. We have fundraising people who have had great success raising you know six figure um, uh, projects that have reached out to us just out of the out of the air saying I want to bring you some of my talents and some of my knowledge so that's what it takes and that's the stage we are right now we're at the stage now where we have to tell people what we're doing we have to tell people what our short-term goals are that we want to get this you know first and foremost we want to get this uh, after-school program for Atlanta public schools elementary kids back up because they just lost them we've got a teacher involved we've got contacts with the schools that's our short-term goal we want to get that done in 30 to 60 days right but if we're going to go the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step it's going to take cultivating every one of these relationships every one of these phone calls and we have to get the word out and we have to tell people if you like what we're doing if you believe in what we're doing you have to reach out to us you have to contact us because we will talk to you and we will find a way to involve you um one of the things that appealed to me the most about your audience is it's a business audience, and that's what we have to have because we're at the point now where everything is contingent on fundraising. Unfortunately, we're back to the same situation the schools are. You know, without money, we can't do anything. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly the point we are right now. We have crowdfunding campaigns going. We have a few donors lined up here and there. We've got corporate things. We've got lots of plans in the works. But all of these things take money. Eventually, you, you, you'll, you'll have to... Uh, have staff that are, are paid uh, well enough to, to focus sure. full-time sure. on the business uh, that we've just been describing, uh, uh, albeit a non-profit organization. You know, you have to have uh, salaried folks that uh, can uh, operate the business. Um, I, you know, I would imagine that uh, organizations like the Atlanta Symphony, at some point in time, and it could be sooner rather than later, and maybe a key studio, you know, it could be uh, Def Jam Studios, whatever, talk uh, about would, that, sure. would, would want to align themselves with no obligation, just simply do you support our, our goals, we, we mm-hmm. hope you do, and, and from there... You add uh, each and every other musical uh, recording studio um, uh, and uh, other musical groups uh, as listed as supporters, and the network then grows to eventually touch upon that one or two musicians or recording. Uh, uh, For us, it's that real business big, person. It's that it's that breakthrough. We need one big person to step up, and uh, we had set an initial funding goal to get us going. 
and it's very tough. We've we found that it's very tough to raise funds from your even from your sphere of influence. So uh, we've done in a lot of our research, it, it is going to take, as Scott said, the corporate donations, the the larger foundation donations, uh, to to help us going um, and, and really put these programs and put them into life. Uh, otherwise, they're just they're just ideas on a page. People have to understand what our passion is too, and I think that's what we're doing right now. Is we're letting everybody know how important it is, and there's not a single person that either one of us have talked to that doesn't absolutely understand what our mission is. I mean, everybody can relate to it. Everybody says, "Yeah, I see that firsthand. I see how kids change, and I understand that." So that part of it. I'm happy with where we are. You you are lucky in that respect that you do have a mission that people can relate to, and a lot of people can relate to it. Um, I want to read uh, uh, just one more quote here. When I hear music, I feel no danger. I am invulnerable. I see no fear. I see no foe. I am related to the earliest times and to the latest. To me, that speaks to the confidence that that young musicians can can learn to to have and uh to the timely uh, or the uh, the the timeless nature uh, of music he's talking about the earliest times and uh, and today uh what you've done is uh create a mission to help uh, fuel the passion in young people and um i think you deserve a lot of credit for conceiving of and for executing the uh, gift of music foundation so thank you chris monroe and scott Kiefer for uh getting the gift of music foundation off the ground well we we thank you ron for having us and I, i'll tell you it's it, the the satisfaction from this is is going to be the first check we're able to hand to a school or the first instrument uh, and that's coming very soon you can go to www.giftofmusic.org and uh, learn more and get in touch um, with Scott or with Chris. Thank you both for taking the time to come on to the Business Hour. We've enjoyed it uh, quite a bit, uh, Ron. Thank you very much. And, uh, and, if, and again, if anybody is touched by this foundation, we would we would certainly love your donation. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so your donation is tax deductible, and uh, we will put it to good use. Money is well spent, uh, uh, as I can uh, imagine, on any uh, cause. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the radio next week. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.